This is Bart Peterson, and you are listening to the FCPA Compliance Report on the Compliance Podcast Network. This is Greg Gilchrist, and you are listening to the FCPA Compliance Report on the Compliance Podcast Network. This is Dan DeMarco, and you are listening to the FCPA Compliance Report on the Compliance Podcast Network. Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox. I'd like to welcome you to the FCPA Compliance Report on the Compliance Podcast Network. In this episode, I visit with Joe Girard. Joe is the CEO at iSight Software, which is a Canadian company that's been in the compliance space for 10 to 15 years around case management and investigative tools. In this episode, we discuss what is iSight, the service products and tools it provides, how its case management software will help corporate fraud investigations, improving both speed and accuracy. He uh, discusses uh, the need for process on your investigation protocol before an incident occurs and how case management software can streamline pre-existing innovation, excuse me, investigation process. And finally, what's the ROI of case management software? Something that I think is uh, always on the mind of every compliance practitioner, demonstrating the value of the tools and services that you use in your function. The FCPA Compliance Report is a production of the Compliance Podcast Network and a proud member of C-Suite Radio. Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox, and I'm back for another episode. And today we are going to take things in a different direction a little bit, but one that I think is going to be uh, incredibly interesting and help you with uh, some of the specific requirements the Department of Justice is putting out around fraud and corruption investigations. I have Joe Gerard with me. He is the CEO of iSight. Uh, if you don't know who iSight is, you haven't been in the compliance space very long because they've been in it longer than I've been in it. And they are <laughs> at every conference. Uh, they're at SEC every year. I get to see them and uh, talk to them a little bit. Uh, you will note immediately that he is not a Texan. He's from a little north of Texas, but uh, they play in the U.S. space uh, qu- quite a bit. And they really do a lot of innovative things around uh, investigations and helping companies think through a wide variety of subject matter investigations, not simply fraud and corruption. So, Joe, with that incredibly long-winded introduction, first of all, uh, welcome. can't believe I haven't had you on the podcast before, so it's great to have you. My pleasure. Yeah, thanks for, thanks for inviting me, Tom. It'll be good to talk. So, Joe, what uh, started off uh, uh, the discussions to have uh, you guys on this podcast is in July, you released an ebook entitled Connecting, excuse me, Conducting Fraud Investigations with Case Management Software, an ebook for fraud investigators. And I was wondering if you might be able to, to use that ebook to talk a little bit about the uh, uh, not simply skill set of eyesight, but really the, the tool services and techniques that you bring to the greater compliance community. Hmm. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think a, a big part of our strategy, and, and we've known each other, I think uh, you mentioned going back to 2009, we've been in business since 99. But, um, but yeah, I think a, a big part of what we're trying to do uh, is help our customers, not just with the tools, but, but also with the advice and the education side of things. So I think most of the customers that we encounter you know, they've got some kind of existing process or tool set, and they're most often real curious about what other organizations are doing, either similar size, similar industry. Um, and so I think a lot of what we do for our marketing uh, is talk about our experiences with our customers. And 
um, obviously the, those experiences go in and drive our, our product roadmap, but also the service delivery. Um, and I think that's what you've got as part of this ebook is sort of just outlining, you know, what kind of fraud investigations does iSight work on? Um, what do our customers, what are they looking for when they come to the table looking for a solution? Um, and what are the components that we can, we can sort of implement to help them get the results that they're looking for? So, um, so yeah, that's sort of where the ebook comes from is, is really just trying to talk about our experiences with customers and, um, try to share the wealth. I think, uh, customers are often appreciative of, of learning what others are up to. So, so, uh, Joe, I'm really big on the process, uh, whatever that process or whatever, uh, specific task you have, whether it be training, whether it be an HR, whether it be, uh, uh, discipline, and most particularly investigations. And I was wondering, and the thing, one of the things that struck me about the ebook is it really helps a compliance professional or a fraud examiner think through the process of doing a fraud investigation. But I wanted to start off by asking, how does the case management software help uh, in two areas that don't get talked about enough, which I, I think are not talked about enough, which are accuracy of your investigation and the speed or the time at which it takes you to complete an investigation. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think the, I guess what we've found is there's a sort of scale between forced process and freedom to accommodate uh, the differences in various investigations as they occur. And I think what, what we're trying to do, you know, number one is give them a central repository where you've got everything in one place but in a way that respects, so we sort of talk about this idea that, you know, you're going to put your information in a central repository so everyone can access it. Um, so you've centralized, but it's accessible globally. But you also want to be able to ensure that you're meeting the privacy concerns and laws uh, that exist around the world. So I think the first thing is, you know, if you think about what an investigator is doing on a daily basis, uh, we put a lot of time and energy into the user experience and the user interface for that reason that, most of our customers uh, have been through this cycle where it, it started, uh, I would say, probably five, six years ago, where identifying fraud was a really big trend. And so everybody invested money into tools like SaaS and IBM and these other things that would help them to identify fraud. Uh, and the trouble that, that we've seen over the last couple of years is now they've identified a lot. Their trouble is, how do we get this stuff investigated and through to some kind of outcome or resolution. And then even better than that, how do we learn from those outcomes so that we can go implement better training, different procedures, these sorts of things. So I think for most customers, you know, they're coming to us with uh, some kind of existing process. Uh, they're trying to avoid um, huge cost expansion in terms of the size of their team and looking at gain efficiencies. And so our, our tools have sort of all kinds of stuff baked into them to try to make those investigators a lot more efficient. Um, and that's where, you know, we focus in terms of uh, trying to make sure the clients get a good return on investment is, is to make those investigators efficient. Um, and usually you can get great return just from that, but then you have all these other sort of benefits that, that sort of get um, forgotten once people get into the weeds of how do we pick a case management tool. And those are all the things that come from, you know, protecting your reputation, uh, how do you, what are the effects on your culture uh, as you start to focus on these things? And, um, and even the stuff, 
you know, when you start looking at, well, regulatory fines, these kinds of things, uh, and what is prevention worth? And I think that's where, for most of our customers, they do come from the very highest level, uh, looking at those types of things. How do we improve our corporate culture? How do we how do we reduce fines and the risk associated with the fraud that is inevitably going to happen when you get a large group of people together? Um, but then the second level to that is, okay, we've identified this stuff. How do we process it efficiently um, and in a way that scales? And I think that's, that's sort of our sweet spot is helping them uh, on, on scaling that investigative process in a, in a safe way. Hello. There are a variety of products that can do intake for whistleblowers and reporters. There are a variety of products that are simply case management, and there are even some that are, are reporting. But you're able to integrate those in a workflow that allows this process you've described to move seamlessly from really each part that I just described. Would that be a fair assessment of how the case management software works? Yeah, I think so. I mean, I think we we sort of think about it, you know, cradle to grave in terms of uh, we have a hotline service that we provide. We have web portals. We have intake forms employees can use. But yeah, so the idea is how do you how do you get these referrals? Um, and oftentimes those might come from fraud detection systems as well. Uh, so how do we get those? Uh, how do we triage them and identify which ones are worth investigating? How do we give the investigators the tools they need? to record all of the evidence, uh, all of their notes, uh, give managers the tools they need to keep track of how those are progressing, um, and then reporting. So I think the big thing, obviously, is it's all great if you've got a nice, efficient process, uh, but for most of our clients, you know, the real goal is to try to reduce and eliminate uh, the number of occurrences. And so we do a lot where, you know, say, for example, you were uh, investigating a, a simple violation of the expense policy. So the goal for our clients is to identify, well, how many expense policy violations do we have in a given year? Uh, are those occurring in a certain geography? Are they occurring underneath a certain business unit, a certain VP that might be more uh, thrifty or not with the expense account? So it's trying to drill down and say, well, yeah, we want to have an efficient process to capture and manage the investigative process. And so ultimately, though, how do we get reporting data that can help us go and, and be proactive in identifying our risk points and, and trying to mitigate those. Um, but yeah, at the, at the very highest level, capture things that are reported through any channel, manage it, uh, use alerts and workflow to process it in a way that uh, we feel like is a, the customer has a, a responsible process that leads to the outcomes they want. And then obviously the other big piece is restricting access to this information. So these kinds of investigations, this kind of information obviously is super sensitive. And, and so we have very robust access controls that try to make sure uh, clients can go and, and sort of give the right people access at the right time to the right pieces of information. So, um, but yeah, that, that, that's a good sort of high-level description. Joe, one of the things that uh, I think still befuddles many compliance practitioners is really where do they begin? How do they start it and how do they move forward? And that's led to a lot of people still using spreadsheets, still trying to develop what uh, I think you guys would characterize as a homegrown system. And I was wondering mm -hmm. if you give a few words about why having 
the case management software in place, ready to go is better than having a homegrown uh, or a spreadsheet system. <laughs> yeah, I think the so we don't see as many spreadsheets as we used to, thankfully. But um, there are there are still plenty of organizations. We were I was just at a pitch um, where we were meeting with a new prospect an RFP that they were doing, and um, and they were. They weren't in a spreadsheet, but they basically had essentially like Google documents, shared documents that they were updating with each other. Um, but then they have attachments somewhere. They have emails somewhere else. And their compliance group obviously sort of raised the flag to say, oh, my gosh, like this is a huge risk. We've got all this sensitive data in these disparate places. When we ask what's going on with the Tom Fox investigation, nobody can get a quick answer. Um, so I think those are the obvious drawbacks of, of sort of the spreadsheet or the ad hoc organization of this stuff. And I think as soon as you hit any kind of volume, um, that that sort of hits a wall. I think the homegrown we run into uh, fairly often as well. I think they're, um, you know, this is a bit of a niche spot. I think a lot of investment um, has gone into creating software for fraud detection, for policy management, the general GRC space. Um, but for whatever reason, the investigative process and the case management process is sort of uh, I wouldn't say forgotten, but sort of ugly stepchild in that, where it doesn't get uh, the level of investment. And so I think it's it, it's created a, a great opportunity for us as sort of uh, we're very much focused on you know, case management itself. And I think what we see is on the homegrown front, uh, oftentimes that happens because uh, you've got maybe an individual who's handy at doing these sorts of things. So um, I had a client one time, uh, this is years ago, they were a regulator and they were using eyesight for five or six years and uh, they hired a new person into their IT group and the guy uh, was really good at a, at uh, Microsoft Access, built a system over time and, and so the head of the group was like, you know what, this system, we get, we get responses um, to our roadmap request really quick from this, this young man, Let, let's go ahead and do that. And but then they, a year later, the guy leaves, and they're sort of stuck with a product that, that can't evolve any further for them, and they ended up actually coming back as a client now. But um, I think we see that a lot where the IT group wants to control the process, but they don't have the expertise. Um, they, they don't have the quality that one would expect. Uh, they don't end up with the right customer service. So for us, this is all we do. Every customer matters. And so when they have an issue or they have a request that they want to sort of modify the software, that's something that we respond to quickly. And I think that's part of the struggle with homegrown is, is people turn over, it's expensive to build, expensive to maintain, issues don't get resolved in a timely manner. And I think the bigger one now these days is security, that um, you know, the kind of business that we're in, uh, we are absolutely at the bleeding edge of security and making sure that the app is safe and secure and reliable. And I think we're we're engaged right now in a, in negotiating to bring on a new customer that is a they would probably be a global Fortune 10, um, and this is the exact problem that they've got now is is security was identified as the risk with their homegrown approach, and so I think it's that kind of thing where too many people with access to this information um, can cause problems and and obviously not having the proceduralization of how you harden a system like this on an ongoing basis. Um, are some of the problems with homegrown, but, uh, but yeah, we certainly have seen the decline of the spreadsheet, so that's good news. 
Well, John, that last point I think is significant. And, and frankly, I don't think there's enough discussion about the privacy slash data protection uh, aspect. Certainly GDPR is the, on the forefront mm-hmm. of a lot of people's minds, but that's not the only data privacy, data protection law in the universe. Uh, California has a robust one, which is coming online. Other states in the United States are considering, uh, either have or are considering legislation. And uh, I don't think many compliance practitioners are really thinking about the issue that you raise. So I hope that's something you can continue to uh, try to educate, uh, certainly the compliance community on. If I could turn now to something that uh, really is on the, I think, always on the mind of a compliance practitioner, and that's how can you demonstrate ROI? And I think one of the things that iSight has traditionally really been a leader in talking about is what's the ROI of using technological solution, a, a more advanced product to help compliance practitioners not only understand the value, but also helps, you know, frankly, in budget discussions and when the compliance practitioner has to to seek uh, uh, annual budget. So I was wondering if you could give a few words around the uh, ROI on case management software. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's an interesting one. So we we actually uh, went out to a third party um, and had an ROI study done just last year, and, and that's available on our website. Um, there's also a buyer's guide there that includes a lot of information about what we learned through that. So we hired this third party to go out and talk to our customers um, and and basically come back and provide us with the unvarnished answer. And so we were sort of, you know, you have a feeling of, of what that ROI is and you feel like, you know, the customers are satisfied and getting value, so we must be doing something right. But we wanted to try to quantify it. And I think what was interesting from that is they came back uh, and the result of the study was that the systems on average are paying for themselves within seven months of implementation. Um, and most of our customers are staying with us for at least 10 years. So you think there's a huge payback that's coming. And, and when you think about then, you know, where do these, where do these efficiencies come from or where does the return come from? The study itself, when we did it, was exclusively focused on the efficiencies we're bringing to the process. So this goes to you as an individual investigator, um, how many cases can you get through in a year? Uh, how much can we recoup in a given year? How much can we prevent? And so it was looking at both an individual and then a team level, um, what kind of really tangible results can we get and attribute numbers to? Um, and so that's what led to this, this average of seven months uh, to break even on the investment in the case management system. And I think the thing that's interesting about that is, is when you go out and you talk to the customers at a higher level, so if you're talking to somebody um, you know, at a, a VP level within a, a large organization, they're most interested in avoiding reputation damage, uh, preventing occurrences, deterrence, uh, how to affect their culture, uh, how to get along with the regulators and show that they have a responsible, um, resilient investigative process. We didn't consider any of that. Uh, inside of that ROI study. So I think all of those other things that happen when you have a good process, which a case management system can enable, um, are things that are very hard to measure, but are very, very real. And, you know, I remember there was a, there's a number that stuck with me in the ACFE. They did a, a report in 2018. I think, it, I think they called the report to the nation, but, um, you know, where, where most fraud within a company is going to happen over a 16 month duration before it's caught. Uh, 
Uh, and I think that's super interesting because you think, well, you know, again, when you think about the ROI, one of the one of the features we created. So one of our clients is a big um, uh, hardware manufacturer, and so they were having some issues um, and implemented a case management system, implemented Eyesight rather, and they came to us probably a year later and they said, you know, we've got all these investigators. They're they're having to go to our analyst who's using a very complicated tool called I2, which at the time, I think it's still an IBM tool for fraud analysts. Uh, and the trouble is our investigators are queued up behind this analyst. And the analyst is basically being tasked with going out and finding connections between people and helping us identify these fraud rings that are happening um, with people doing warranty fraud and counterfeits and these sorts of things um, with their products. And so they said, we want something real simple that our investigator gets the case and the system sort of automatically goes out and suggests connections to them so they don't have to wait around for these analysts that are bottlenecking it. And so we created this uh, feature, we call it case linking, but it basically suggests connections. And so it's ended up, as customers have started to use it, encountering lots of really neat use cases that speak to this idea of catching schemes before they go on too long. And, you know, one of the things that we see a lot is uh, people moving from one department to the other inside of an organization, moving into one geography or another. And, and oftentimes the companies lose track of that person's history. If I move from here to uh, Australia and start working there, oftentimes the systems aren't integrated. And so we lose that history. And so by centralizing all of these investigations, we can then use something like our suggested links feature to say, well, as soon as I log a case with either the name Tom Fox or some other identifiers, uh, we can go in and suggest to the investigator that, hey, there's actually a history with this person and try to stop this stuff faster. So, um, so I think that's an interesting one. And, and then obviously the reporting tool, we've got a really robust reporting tool that allows them to go in and, and find these trends and, uh, and identify, you know, really neat sort of heat map type stuff where you can go in and sort of see different hotspots. And most customers would use that to identify training opportunities or procedural changes, these sorts of things that, that bring them, uh, bring them ultimately these, these other bigger, higher level ROI things that are beyond just efficiency improvements. But, um, but yeah, it's exciting stuff. I mean, certainly the customers giving us good feedback in terms of where they're, where they're seeing the savings. So that's fun stuff. Joe, unfortunately we're near the end of our time, but I was wondering if listeners wanted more information on either the ebook, the case management software we've been talking about or eyesight, how could they find out more? Yeah, I guess the web is the best place, right? So eyesight.com, it's uh, i-s-i-g-h-t.com. And obviously my name is Joe Gerard. Just feel free to reach out to me on LinkedIn or that sort of thing and happy to talk and, and connect you with the different experts around here. And I would also add that there's a ton and a half of resources on the eyesight website. I download and use their stuff in a variety of ways for a variety of different reasons, and it's all available for free. So check it all out. Joe, it's been great to have you on the podcast, and I look forward to continuing the conversation. Yeah, my pleasure, Tom. Thanks for having me. Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox again. I'd like to thank you for listening to this episode of the FCPA Compliance Report. We're going to link to the recent ebook by iSight on conducting fraud investigations with case management software. 
and other resources on their website. I would urge you to check them out as they have just a plethora of investigative resources, tools, and checklists that are available at no cost. I hope you'll join us again next week where we take up another topic in the FCPA Compliance Report. This podcast is a production of the Compliance Podcast Network and a proud member of C-Suite Radio. Thanks again for listening. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.